I mean, if, if I said, how many of you want to be holy? I, I'm, I'm pretty confident we'd be like, well, yeah. How many, how many of you believe in holiness? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty confident we'd all be, a, but what is holiness? You find a lot of people will say a lot of different things. Holiness is that. Well, that's not necessary. Well, that is, that is, that isn't, that is. <laughs> we have, there's so many denominations and so many different beliefs out there. I like to look just what does the Bible say? What is thus saith the Lord? Because Hebrews 12, 14 says, follow peace with all men. And holiness without which. What does that say? It says, sin la cual nadie verá al Señor. It says, no one will see the Lord without holiness. So, if I believe the Bible, if I believe Scripture, then this holiness now becomes of utmost importance. Because the Bible just said, without it, I can't see the Lord. So now it's really crucial. And so tonight, there's so many specifics that I'm not, uh, we have a Now What Discipleship course going on downstairs right now. And I suggest, if you have never done it, every human being in this church should go through the Now What Discipleship course. It is so much good information because we go in depth into these. There's a reason why it takes 16 sessions and people are like, oh, that's really long. Yes, but you go in-depth in the Word of God. Now what is not, well, here are the catechisms of the local church. It's not that. It is what does the Bible say. And so tonight, I'm gonna, we're going to look at an overview, an overview of holiness. And next week, I'm kind of excited because for Family Wednesday, I know my audience. And it's children and youth are going to be joining us. And I'm going to speak on this topic Kind of, a, kind of a piggyback to this one. Online holiness. I know Christians who believe in holiness, but they don't portray holiness online. They do in person, but not online. So let's look at what Scripture says about that. But the Bible, it, it apparently calls Christians to per, this pursuit of holiness. God commands his people to be holy in conduct because... He is holy. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. He called you. He's holy. So you be holy too in all manner of conversation because it's written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Salvation begins with new birth. In Scripture, we see that they said, Peter, what should we do? He said, Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Very succinctly, states new birth about when I desire salvation. Okay, here, let me tell you what to do. And so that's where the new birth, it, it begins at new birth. And it continues into this process called sanctification, which is a process of progressively becoming more like Christ. After all, our goal, yes, I want to make heaven my home. But do you know what my number one goal is? To be like Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to make heaven my home if I'm like Jesus. Oh, I want to be more of a giver. I want to be an anointed speaker. I want to be a gifted singer. I really want to be passionate about children's ministry. I really want to, listen, if I just focus 
I want to be like Jesus. Ministry is a natural overflow out of your relationship with God. Sanctification, though, then leads to glorification. What's that? That's the resurrection uh, with an immortal body and sinless perfection. That's what we have to look forward to one day. This is where we now spend eternity with Jesus Christ. But from what we see in the Bible, all are integral components to reach that goal. Scripture says we must be born again. That's regeneration, if you want to know the big theological term. Being born again is regeneration. We must live and pursue holiness. That's sanctification. And then God will one day come back for his bride. That's glorification. And so from start to finish, salvation is by grace through faith. We are not saved by works. I don't care how many great things you do. You can drive the Meals on Wheels cart. You can donate. You can volunteer at the local shelter. You can do all you want. And those are good things, and I think it's wonderful to do. But you can do that for the rest of your life, and you will never earn salvation. But the life of faith does produce good works. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. So guess what? Grace and faith are both necessary components to salvation. People that say all you have to do is just believe and you're saved, read scripture and you will find out that belief always led to a response. It always led to this thing called obedience. So it's saying we're saved by grace through faith. You can't say, well, faith is necessary. Well, I think grace is more necessary because without grace, we don't have, and what do we have faith in? We have no, we have no chance. But if we just take God's grace, we don't respond to what his plan is. We're also not saved. So by grace, through faith, we're saved. Not, not yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We don't want people to go, check it out. I saved myself last week. Like, no, we can't boast about that. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we don't manufacture our own holiness. We partake in God's holiness. Hebrews 12.10 says, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years. Some needed it more, right? But doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Wow. His word is given for rebuke and correction sometimes. We don't like that part, but it's talking about God's discipline brings about a holiness. Holiness means conforming to God's character. My dad used to teach Bible studies, and one of the ancient Bible studies, it wasn't even a colored chart yet. It was just like, it wasn't even black and white. It was like black, white, and like, pe like pink or peach. Anybody remember that old Exploring God's Word chart? Anybody? A couple of you? <laughs> it was like white, black, and peach. And, uh, and there was this corny, cheesy guy standing there like this. And like in the mirror was this reflection of Jesus. And it was so corny. But I never forget the image because I was, like, every time I talk about something like this, I think about that. How like, Lord, I want to look in the mirror and be a reflection of you. That's what I really, really want. It's conforming to his character. Holiness is not just what you're separated from. Sometimes in church, we, we, will, we will focus, oh, yeah, and do this, and don't do this, and don't do this, and do this. And we get stuck on that. I'm like, oh, that's all the rules of the church. But it's not just what you're separated from. It's who you're separated unto. 
God didn't say, don't do that, don't do that, don't wear that, don't go there, don't talk that way, just because he's like, I'm a dictator and I just want to see what they'll actually do. No, he's saying, I'm calling you out of that lifestyle, but it's only because I'm calling you into something better. God never calls you out of something if he doesn't have something better for you. And so... Uh, it's separation from, this, from sin and worldly values and dedication to God. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And not just your heart, your whole body. It says, holy and acceptable to God, which is an unreasonable. No, it's a reasonable service. Anything God asks is very reasonable. And, not, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. You'll never be transformed from the, the, the thinking of this world if something in our minds doesn't change. And so it says, renew your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, how do we prove to a world what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God? It's only by when our whole bodies become a living sacrifice. God looks on the heart. Yeah, but the world that we're living in does not. And so holiness is both inward and outward. We live in a culture that either or culture. Well, are you or are you not? We're seeing this with COVID. Anytime anybody like mentions COVID, vaccine, election, like everything tenses up. I'm not being political. I'm just saying you see this with COVID. Well, like, do you believe in this or this? You can say, I believe that there's a lot of politics involved, but I believe COVID is a, is a virus that's a very real thing that's claimed lives. I think I can choose not to live in fear, but I can also say that I realize that it's a very real virus that can, that can affect families. And so people sometimes try to force you, like, into this box. Choose one or the other, either or. And I, at times, will go, why do I have to do either or? Kind of like holiness. Well, are you saying it's more internal or more external? Why are you going to try to force me to choose one? Holiness is internal and external. This is one of the things that sets many apostolic Pentecostal churches like ours apart from other denominations. We are one of the few church organizations still left that will publicly teach that Scripture does, in fact, still call for external consecration. And as long as I'm the pastor, I will never change that no matter what society does. And so well, that's why we encourage everyone to complete the Now with Discipleship course because the course is 16 lessons that are broken down into four categories. The basics, lifestyle issues, the purpose of church and family, and what people see. Notice I put what people see last because if you start trying to change external things before the heart's right, that's, that's, not, that's not good. It's not ever going to go well. And so 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Filled with God's Spirit, this, this is temple. Which ye have of God, you are not your own. You are bought and, bought and paid for, really, with a price. Therefore, because of that, we should glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Notice, 
it does not, it's making a differentiation here. Because he purchased us, because he now dwells in this temple, he's going to ask us things that are not unreasonable. They're reasonable. And our bodies will prove these things. And he says, we should now glorify God with both body and spirit. Body is the external. Spirit is the internal. Look at 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse us ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. So again, we're reading about holiness in the connotation of both body and spirit, flesh and spirit. So there's an internal element and an external element that comes with this concept of holiness. God may look on the heart, but he also looks at flesh and body, and so does the rest of the world. Holiness includes, but is not limited to, attitudes, appearance, thoughts, spiritual stewardship, physical stewardship, speech, the way we respond to things. All aspects are essential in holiness. Pursuing holiness means growing into maturity. Listen to Paul as he gives a short description of his own journey. Philippians 3.12, he says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. Really? This is where I get my biblical concept of, hey, what date were you saved? I'm still working on that. I know what people mean. When were you, when did you repent? When were you baptized? What's the date that you received the Holy Ghost? When did you get serious about God? When did you start pursuing God? Like, I get that. But a lot of times people will say, what date were you saved? Anybody ever been asked that before? My answer is, I'm still, I'm still in the process. Why? Because I read what Paul says. I'm not saying I've achieved these things. <laughs> I have not reached perfection. This is a journey. But I press on to possess the perfection. That's what sanctification is. It is a, a constant growth and pursuit of Jesus Christ. And he and says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. I'm, I'm pursuing that, aren't you? Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you that is a beautiful passage in regard to holiness. Because I have heard of, not here, I have heard of churches where someone comes in and they talk a certain way or dress a certain way or act a certain way, and everybody like wants them to conform to a certain way of life, so they start pushing people to do and change things. And guess what happens? That makes people bitter and, and makes people say, is, is this a cult? We all have to talk the same way and act the same way and worship the same way and dress the same way? And so then you get accused of being a cult. But no, this, this, this is beautiful because you can preach biblical principles, but no one, I'm, I'm concerned when we get to the day where everybody's living the same exact way and we're all on the same level, so to speak. 
or in the same part of our journey. I pray that there are always new people walking through the door, that at our new building, we will never be able to not take the no smoking sign off the bathroom when, uh, mirrors. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that, that there are all people new all the time who act different and look different. And <laughs> I remember I baptized somebody one time and they came up and said, how do you feel? And they were like, that's blankety blank awesome. I was like, well, what do you say at that point? Hey, don't talk that way. You're like, hey, this is the life that they have lived. They just had their sins washed away. And if I expected to bring them up out of the water and then be perfect, when even the apostle Paul is saying, I'm not even perfect. And I read this scripture and I say, let who agree on one thing. He says, if you disagree, God's going to make it plain. That's what holiness is. I love the fact that when I just preach the word and all of a sudden you start to see people, they'll come up to you sometimes, they'll be sitting in church a year, two years and say, you know, I've been wearing this or I've been going here, I've been talking this way, I've been watching this and I feel God's starting to deal with me. And I just go, man, that's awesome. God's spirit's dealing with you and I don't need to get in your face because honestly, I don't always view that as my place. I preached the word and let God's spirit be the one that, that starts to impress things upon people's heart and speak to them and change hearts and minds and lives. I love this verse. But we must also hold on to the progress we've already made. Don't slide backwards, right? There should be commitment on our end, but there should also be patience. Patience for others on the journey, but also patience for ourselves. You ever start serving God, make commitments, and you're like, man, I should have known better. Why did I do that? I slipped up again. Oh, I feel like an idiot. Like, you just get frustrated with yourself. <laughs> but I go, you got to be patient with yourself, too. And as people come through these doors and have life-changing experiences with God, there should never be anybody pushing anyone to do anything. Everyone should be continuing to pursue God. And when someone doesn't talk, dress, act, think, respond like you do, or like you think they should, remember the fact that sanctification is a journey. It is a process. So although you might be a guest or you're a new member, maybe you're tuning in online, you're here tonight in person, no one is ever, I promise you, no one is ever going to try to enforce a certain set of guidelines or rules. I will never forget one time a lady walked in here, and uh, I walked up to her, and I said, hi, my name is Gary. And she literally looked at me and said, Pentecostals often wear women wear skirts. You're going to make me wear a skirt if so, I'm leaving. I was like, well, like I said, my name is Gary. And shook their hand. And I said, I can promise you this. You will see a lot of women choose to do that. I said, but you will never have someone come up to you and address what you're wearing in a service. I said, if they do, can you come and get me immediately so I can handle it? Because that's, that's, that's not what we're about. Now, do we teach and preach certain things? Yeah, I'm going to preach the word of God and say, here's what we see. Here's what scripture says. But... Your personal commitments and consecration are between you and Jesus Christ. If 
by looking around, you can see many women will choose to dress a certain way. You'll see women choosing uh, not to wear jewelry or makeup, to leave their hair uncut. It's th it doesn't take a genius to see some of these things. And women will do these things because they say, man, I've seen scriptures that cause me to make this commitment, this consecration, and I want to live this way. But no one's going to walk around trying to force other people to live the same way that they do. And so you're welcome to worship here and, and, and this be your church, no matter what you wear or don't wear. I mean, we just ask that you come in clothes, please. That'd be awkward. <laughs> the Bible teaches principles for us to apply in our own circumstances, time, and culture. That's, again, why when I wrote the Now What Discipleship course, I aimed to make it very practical and according to life. Because what does the Bible say about the Internet? Not a single thing. It does not say, when searching Google, avoid these sites. <laughs> not even the message version says that. But there are principles that guide our daily lives that can be applied to digital media and, 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 and online sources. So we look at that in that um, Now What's Discipleship course. This is important because without practical and relevant applications, principles tend to be abandoned. I talked to one pastor once and said, I don't preach this. I just, I just let people find it for themselves. And I'm like, I think, I think we still need to look at what the Word of God says. If I could try to give an outward example. Think about an eagle, the American flag. I still, I still, I love that picture. You want to? You know why I love that picture? Because it represents the country that I am so thankful to live in, to be a part of. I still feel it's the greatest nation on the face of the earth, not in arrogance. I say I'm, I'm just humbled that God's called me to live here. I love it. But to me, these are outward representations of who we are as a nation. Right? You look at this, you think patriotism. Or, or you might say, oh, I hate the United States. Okay, well, you're still associating that with the United States. That represents something. An American flag may just be a piece of cloth to some. And you can get into all the demonstrations about, yeah, I, it curdles my blood. It boils. I, I get so frustrated when I watch people trample the flag, light it on fire. Just, well, yeah, but they have a freedom in speech. That's fine. I'm not going to do anything, but I am going to get ticked off watching it. Because to me, it represents something to me. And so it symbolizes deeply held values such as patriotism, democracy, freedom. In the church, outward expressions of holiness represent values like, kind of like a flag. The clothing we choose to wear is more than a piece of cloth. Just as the flag is more than just a piece of cloth. While certain outward expressions of holiness may seem comparatively small, they can be important, visible affirmations of our core principles and values. That's why a woman can walk through a grocery store and say, hey, hey, look, I think I just saw a Pentecostal woman over there. Because to me, what I'm looking at on the outside is a reflection of values that are being expressed. The essence of holiness is to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm telling you, I don't think there's a day that goes by. I wish I, wish I could tell you I've really worked hard in this and I've narrowed them all down. I got, them, I got them down. If you guys need anything, let me know and I will tell you how to live a life with all the fruit of the Spirit in perfection. I wish I could do that. But I think every day I fail at, at, at least at one of them, like every day. But every day I am constantly, I pray this prayer every single day. Lord, help me today. God, to walk in love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Lord, that every day I want to examine myself. I want to be the man you want to be. I don't want just the, the gifts of the Spirit operating in a church without fruit. I want both. And so what good is it if someone dresses the part but lacks love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, good? Well, they look like a Christian, but have you ever talked to them? They're not very Christian. No, that's not what I want. Lacking the fruit of his spirit is probably more detrimental than the clothing we put on our body. But people take that and run and say, see, we need to focus more on this and not on that. Either or culture, no. Holiness is external and internal, it's both. Holiness, external things are simply a reflection of what's going on inside. Holiness includes so very much. As Christians, we must learn to forgive, be thankful, respect authority, work as unto the Lord, put away evil thoughts, don't gossip or be a busybody. We're also told to put away thoughts of lust, hatred, wrath, jealousy, bitterness, pride, prejudice, and more. Holiness also includes justice, mercy, and grace. You can quickly see why the Bible says, pursue holiness. It's not just like, pray 30 minutes a day, dress right, give to your church, and serve in ministry. Cool. All right. Got those down. Well, here we go. But I just flew through that list about grace and not being a busybody and love and showing mercy and not having prejudice or pride or lust or hatred and respect and authority. Work is unto the Lord. Put away evil thoughts. Like, there's nobody, no one ever gets to the point where you, like, graduate and flip the, the tassel to the other side and be like, hey. Yesterday I was imperfect. Today I got my master's in perfection. That's why Paul is sitting there going, uh, yeah, I don't want to preach to everybody else, and I myself am a castaway. Hey, I'm the chiefest of sinners. And you're like, no, Paul, you're not. You're not. I guarantee you, I'm living. You're not the chiefest of sinners. But you're... You're reading this and you're going, there's no way I'm going to get all this stuff done. And that's just like a couple of things. There's, the Bible's jam-packed with a lot more than that. And that's why we say we continue to pursue holiness. Yeah, but you're trying to do it on your own. And see, that's the kind of thing I don't like about you people. It's all works. No, it's not. Because I can't do anything of this stuff without God putting his spirit in me. And he says, here's the fruit of my spirit. Well, if I want the fruit of his spirit, guess what a key component is? To have his spirit. And so we don't say, I've, I, I don't know anybody. Well, I've personally, I've arrived. I don't know anyone who has. Just look at that list. Holiness also involves of how we use our body. Scripture calls us to uphold sexual morality, the sanctity of marriage, flee fornication, protect the sanctity of human life against murder, abortion, assisted suicide. And since our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, 
We should practice moderation and stewardship and diet, exercise, and rest. I'm glad you gave me an amen. Thank you. People were like, I was all for the flea fornication, uphold sexual honor, sanctity, and marriage. Once you said diet and exercise, I'm out of here. <laughs> and we should avoid the things that go in our body or on our body that could cause harm. Intoxication, illegal drugs, overuse of improper or improper use of prescription medicine, tobacco, or dare I even say, my Lord, we don't talk about this, but dare I even say... Placing myself under artificial UV rays that are known to cause cancer? You do what you want. I'm simply saying we are like really passionate about some things and then other things we somehow justify. Your body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. You shouldn't kill it with that cigarette. I'll see you later. I'm going tanning. Just as much research, I'm just saying. Just pointing some crazy things out. And God even calls for holiness in our eyes. The eye is important as the gate of the soul. And I love this. Now what? We, we, we spend a whole lesson on all this. The primary source of input for the mind is your eye. We should avoid unwholesome reading or viewing. We must be particularly aware of modern entertainment and media. This is often filled with sensuality and immorality and violence. Even commercials send subliminal messages of what is normal to our children. All I'm doing right now is I'm just going to kind of hop on some toes and I'm just going to and I'm just going to dismiss you and you can pray about it. If you have a TV running in your house, your children are being exposed to thousands. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Thousands. Thousands of messages. I'll sit down and, you know, I'll stream a football game or something. I'll, I'll be honest with you. But I don't even leave commercial. Any commercial that pops up, I'll, I'll flip it off. I don't even want my children to view a commercial because it's gotten to the point where a commercial, there's a, a group singing and a man is wearing purple eyeliner, purple eye mask, whatever the stuff called that puts on your eyelids, I don't even know, eyeshadow, whatever this, purple eyes, and not from getting in a fight. At least if he had a purple, black and blue eye, I'd be like, yeah, look at that dude. No, no, this is like purple makeup. And... The movies and the demonic, dark, resident evil, nasty. I mean, like, just stuff. that Just they're being exposed to so much sin and homosexuality and sinful things that are just being pushed so that the exposure can take place. And, and, and they just grow up going, what are, you, what are you stressed about? Why is pastor preaching about this? It's normal. It's at school. It's on TV. It's on here. Your, ch your children are being exposed to thousands of messages. And most of them don't align with God's plan and word. And I will say it clearly. TV stunts the sanctification process in believers. Can you, could you still be saved and love God? I'm, I'm sure. 
sure it's probably possible, yeah. But you're filling yours and your children's minds with things that are directly contradictory. It is stunting the sanctification process. Going back to specifically these questions regarding appearance and dress, the New Testament gives these instructions for holiness and conduct and appearance. 1 Timothy 2, 8 through 10, it says, in every place of worship. That's us. I want men to pray with holy hands lifted to God, free from anger and conscience. Hey, guys, you're a man. Why don't we lift our hands for a second? I mean, that's, that scripture literally just says. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted to God. So there should never be another service that you walk into that you don't take a moment to raise your hands and surrender and worship to God. If I'm a Bible, this is not an, well, that's just that local church's tradition. You walk in there, everybody's just raising their hands. It's not because we just were like, yeah, we remember that old commercial, raise your hands, raise your hands if you're sure. Like, it's not, this ain't like a deodorant thing, okay? Like, no, we're, we're genuinely like, God, you're awesome. If I can bless the Lord with lift hands, it's so simple. I want to do that. And so he says, hey, I want, I want every place to worship. Men should be lifting their hands. Worshiping, free from anger and controversy. And I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attracted by the good things they do. This teaching from Paul to Timothy mentions special temptations for each gender. And just, just to clarify, there still are only two genders. And so... I never thought I'd have to say that in the pulpit. Like, wow. Um, there are two genders. And he does not, that writing does not mean, women, you don't need to lift your hands. It's just guys. Women, you don't need to be worry about wrath and your temper. You can, you can go ahead and throw pots and pans across the, the, the living room and try and hit your husband in the head. It's just a guy thing. And guys, y'all go ahead and just take your shirts off and wear whatever you want. And yeah, it doesn't matter because the women are the only ones that have to worry about modesty. That's not the case. What he's doing here is going, hey, two genders. Typically, what you're going to find. Guys, this is what you usually deal with. Women, this is what you usually, usually deal with. Because... You don't find a lot, when, when people are like, man, yeah, there's a lot of anger problems. When I do counseling, it's not, usually, it's possible, believe me, it's possible. But not usually the women that are like, man, Pastor, I don't know, I walked in and she's busting her hand through a, a, wall, a drywall. And then she kicked that over and knocked the dish off the table. Like, it's usually a guy that struggles more with the wrath and the anger and the, and it's usually a man that's a little more skeptical and like, yeah, I don't know. I got to see that to understand that. Typically, you'll see people walk into a church and the women are like, yeah, I'm walking to the altar. They're crying. Guys back there going, I don't know about this Holy Ghost stuff. We're skeptical. And so he's like, hey, I'll tell you, every place of worship, men, you should be leading the way, lifting your hands up, worshiping God. And it should be done without wrath and doubting because those are things that men, you're skeptical and you're angry at times. And you guys need to be, be aware 
And he's like, and now let's talk about women. Women, you know what? Let's talk about your external appearance because you don't usually deal with that same type of stuff. But holiness for you, you don't usually get a lot of guys that go out. We, were just, we just came back from men's conference. And I don't know of any of the guys there. They're like, do I look, does this shirt make me look fat? Is this, this pair of pants too tight? What do you think of this stripes with the, like, stuff that probably a ladies' conference, y'all might be kind of conversing about, you know, how things fit or what you like, or that's beautiful. And that's why they sell clothes at ladies' conferences. They don't sell clothes at men's conferences. That's why people joke with me, and they're like, your wife's boutique's very successful. You should start a male online boutique. And I'm like, I could just see my friends. <laughs> they're like, Brother Jose, did you watch me yesterday? I was live at 7 o'clock. <laughs> it's going to fit true to size. The sleeves are a little bit long, but you can have them taken in. Like... You see what I'm saying here? And so, he says, eh, women, you should be modest in appearance. Not only for your own good, but also, also good of others. Men are very visual. But it's not just about the man that can't control himself. It's about you and your personal holiness. And he says, he says women claim to be devoted by God. He says, there, there are principles here. He starts talking about jewelry, and he starts talking about Decent clothing, appropriate clothing. And you see, men are more prone to these things, and women are more prone to these other things. In romantic relationships, men initially tend to be attractive, attracted physically and visually. So guess what? It's natural that a woman desires to look attractive visually and physically because that is what a man and that's why sometimes, you know what, the biggest culprit of a woman not wanting to dress in a decent, holy way, you know what I find a lot of times? It's the knucklehead husband. It's the knucklehead husband. Because the knucklehead husband is pointing out all these pictures and actresses and saying, honey, you should wear this and your ground and stuff that they can't wear according to Scripture. But men should be rejoicing in reminding their wives because there is such a pull on a woman to look a certain way. And so a man needs to be celebrating the holy, pure, and godly spirit of his wife and saying, you are so beautiful. I'm already telling my daughter at her young age. I started when she was six years old. If you remember, I did a message once, and to me, it was one of the most powerful messages I've ever done. It was a Wednesday night entitled, Who Defines Your Beauty? And I talked about Maybelline and how they came up with this micrometer, and I'll have to preach it again sometime, but where makeup developed because someone said, these are the flaws of the face, and so we created this to try, to try and change the flaws of the face. But then somebody looks at me in a church and says, y'all are in bondage. Who gave you the right to tell me what the flaws are on my face? 
So I raise my daughter and I say, honey, you're beautiful. Because I want her, when she starts to get zits and acne, that I say, I say, honey, you don't ever let anybody tell you that you need to paint this color and change this and, and try and revamp this because you need to look a certain way. Don't let anybody put you in a box and tell you that you have to do what they say to be beautiful. We're not, if, if a woman's not careful, and I can't stand here, and Lord, I definitely don't know everything about women, but from what I understand, women can start to feel their value or worth comes from the way a man looks at them or responds to them. And then they get sucked into a trap where they're always trying to manipulate their appearance to get attention from those around them. In doing so, it helps them become feeling more attractive or valuable. Ladies, God wants you to know that you're valuable simply because he made you the way you are. I do think both men and women should take care of themselves and work to keep themselves looking attractive for their individual spouses. It's not like, well, the Bible said that, I'm done. <laughs> you know, no. I think that we should absolutely try to make ourselves look nice. But not because... We need the attention of others. If my wife pulls in the parking lot like she did tonight and she said, ooh, handsome daddy to the kids, and the kids are like, oh, my Lord, you're so embarrassing. That's all I need. But he says a woman should wear modest feminine apparel, not clothing that flaunts the body. I once heard it said, if you put clothes on and the first thing someone notices is not your face, might be a problem. They should dress with decency and self-respect, self-control. He goes on to say they shouldn't decorate themselves with ornamental jewelry or costly clothes. Instead, it should be for lasting attraction that builds long-term relationships that's based on godly character. And so much of what God says in his word about external directives are based on gender distinction. Isn't it interesting that thousands of years ago, he says, a woman shouldn't wear that which pertaineth to a man. I created man or woman. Everything was gender specific, gender distinction. It's like God knew what was coming. Here we are. That there is an attack now based on gender. To me, that's mind boggling. God initially created one man and woman, and he established clear guidelines for both men and women in the Bible. And even in apparel, he gave guidelines about keeping genders distinct. And now we see somebody arguing that it should not be breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is gender specific. It should be chest feeding. Because men should be celebrated in their journey to raise children together. But you can't say men should be because there's gender specific. You can't, you have to be careful about your pronouns. You're the proper pronoun. Workplaces and schools are firing people for addressing people with the wrong pronoun. Him and her are now intrusive because it insinuates gender identity. This sounds insane because it's a new topic. But guess what? Many years, just several decades ago, it was actually insane. It was on, go look it up. I think it was like the Maury Povich show or something. 
and, uh, and uh, men came out in skirts back then, and he said, and people were like, this is preposterous, this is sickening, this will never happen in American culture, and the talk show host said, yeah, but one day, at one point, someone said that about women wearing pants, too, and he said it on the talk show. And so all I'm saying is that eventually people get used to something, and then when you say it's different or it's not acceptable, then you are odd. So right now it's like, man, that guy's wearing eye makeup, guy's wearing that NBA star, Russell Westbrook, came out in a skirt the other day. Yeah, guys, what in the world? That's odd. For now, it is. But this is what we're flashing on our entertainment, and our kids are growing up in this culture. And that's why, well, what do you want me to do, shelter my kids? Why wouldn't you? Well, I want them to know what's out there. They're going to find out. I don't need to go rent, rate a rented our movie, get a, or rent a rated our movie to, to show them what's out there. Holiness encompasses so much. Women are special. Men are special. Each are unique, but each are different than one another. And God wants our hair, our clothing. He, he spells these things out about his plan for separation. And that's why Paul writes in Corinthians, he's talking about men cutting their hair short, women leaving their hair uncut. We go through a whole lesson in that. Again, does everybody, you, everybody has to do the same thing? No. But I just want you to know that everything that goes on in this church, I do not get up here and preach personal preference. If I can't preach a scripture for something, you will not hear me say, well, I really want to, we should really do this. No, if, if it's not in the Bible, I'm not going to preach it. But if it is in the Bible, no matter what society says, I'm going to preach it. And so as we close, and you can stand to your feet, this is, again, an overview of holiness. Because people tend to say it's this thing or it's that thing. or Is it this or this? No, it's all-encompassing. Holiness is an integral part of salvation of the whole person. Without holiness, the Bible says, I'm not going to see God. That's serious stuff. Holiness is something that influences the entire being, inside and outside. What we look at or listen to, what we think about or dwell on, how we dress, where we go, how we respond, the words we speak. Holiness is a joyful privilege. It's not any rules and regulations. Nobody at this church, you're watching online, you're here today, ain't nobody. I am not coming to your house, all right? So everybody with A to D in the last name, E to, e to M in the last name, <clears throat> I'm going to be visiting your house. Some, a pastor literally told me this. This is a legit story. He said one time when he was younger, he went to a church where they preached holiness. And then the pastor, when someone would come into the church, the pastor would show up unannounced at their house and go through their house and try to remove everything that was not holy. I was like. People wonder why some people say you're a cult. Like, that's crazy. My Lord. So, I'm not showing up unannounced. I'm telling you I'm coming this week. I'm just kidding. No. You're, this is between you and God. I'm not showing up at your house. I'm not making you kneel on the ground to check your skirt length. And like, it's between you and God. We preach principles, and then you say, God, 
What do you want me to do? And God teaches you things, and he shows you things, and sometimes he shows you at different times than some other people. Whatever, you just, I just, I just pray that we're all growing, that we're all pursuing Jesus Christ, that we're all saying, hey, I don't know where you are, but I know that I'm closer to God today than I was a year ago. I'm definitely not where I want to be, but I sure have made some progress, and I don't intend to stop. No matter how long I've done this, how many years of service, what my title is, what, where I serve in ministry, holiness is a joyful privilege. I don't do these things to earn favor with God. I do these because as I grow with God, my life choices begin to reflect His image and His plan more and more. Holiness is God's plan for humanity. It's His original design, and He places His own spirit inside of us to help shape us and mold us to reflect His image to a lost and dying world. At the end of the day, it's not all about the individual things. It's about me saying, God, I want to be more like you. Help me in all of the choices I make every day of my life. Help me to be more like you. Let's find a place to pray because certainly I've said something that's hit some nerve. I mean, I've spoken to you in some way about holiness where you say, I got that. I think I'm doing all right there. That one's good. But man, I know I got room for growth there, right here, that there are things that just, just, just find a place to pray and say, God, what is it that you call me to do? How can I begin to reflect your image in a more powerful way, God? I want to be sanctified. I want to continually grow with you and reflect who you are to this world from the inside out. Jesus' name.